Hey, South Africa. Welcome to Farmers Inside Track Weekend. I'm your host, Dawn Umdu. Annually, the Bureau for Food and Agricultural Policy, a non-profit organization driven to objectively inform and support decision-making by stakeholders in the agro-food, fiber, and beverages sectors in Africa, releases the BFAP's Food Inflation Brief. Now, the latest report released gives us an overview of food inflation dynamics, its associated causes, and the cost of basic healthy eating. We're now joined by Mervyn Abrams, Program Coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. Mervyn, maybe just a bit about yourself, your work at the Economic Justice and Dignity Group, and everything that you guys are doing as part of your drive and mission. So the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group is a very small, not-for-profit organization founded in 2018, essentially to look at how the political economy in South Africa is impacting on low-income households. Because of the huge inequality levels in South Africa, Average statistics do not give us a good enough picture, really, of the financial and affordability crisis as it impacts low-income households. And so that is our focus, really. So we do research around economic indicators, etc., with a focus specifically a bias towards low-income and poor households. And then we publish on a monthly basis our Household Affordability Index, which is our main output. And in that index, we do some research around food prices and food price inflation as it impacts low-income households. We also look at transport and electricity costs, a basket of that, and then compare it, of course, because it is about affordability. It has to to the other side, its prices and expenses, but of course, the other side is levels of income. So we tend to track what the national minimum wage would be for a specific month and social grant incomes. So essentially, that is what we do. And then we do some advocacy at different levels, precisely around reshaping the South African economy to be able to build resilience, particularly in low-income households. And your work and drivers and mission is so vital for this country and for the people that live in it. I'm so grateful to have you with me today to share some of your expertise and your knowledge and more of the research that you're doing. Now, Mervyn, Could you maybe give us an overview of what major drivers are of food inflation internationally? Over the last few months, of course, the major drivers internationally in the post-COVID situation has, of course, been the geopolitical tensions in the Ukraine and Russia. Its impact on South Africa is in three areas, specific areas. We import a lot of wheat and we also import a lot of sunflower seeds from those two countries. But in addition to that, the conflict has, for at least the first month of the conflict, has escalated international fuel prices, which of course also has a knock-on effect on South Africa. And recently, in the last week or so, the government of Indonesia, for instance, has stopped exporting palm oil, which is a major input into vegetable oil in the global markets. And of course, that means there will be less vegetable oil on the global market and so will impact us. 
So from a geo-global point of view, these are probably the main factors, although as we are struggling to open up the global economy in the post-COVID period, there are still logistical difficulties in terms of ports, shipping delays, etc., all of which are playing an important role in food price inflation globally, but also in South Africa. And one other consequence of the, of course, massive increase in fuel prices has been the accompanied increase in the price of fertilizers, which of course is also an important input cost into agricultural production. These have been some of the major factors, and we see global food prices have increased massively. I mean, we only need to look at the Food and Agricultural Organization's Food Basket Index. It now stands at the highest it has ever been in history. So food price inflation not only impacts South Africa, it is a global phenomenon. Yeah, I knew that this was going to be a heavy topic and also just the weight on everyone's shoulders thinking about it collectively and all these different pockets. It does feel very heavy and maybe there's a way for us just to unpack it a bit more to understand it even further. Now, I made mention of the food inflation brief in my introductions, and also you just spoke about the household index and the reports that you do on a regular basis. What should food producers and consumers be aware of when it comes to all of this specifically? So, I mean, in our South African context, if I might just quote some figures from our household. So these are now the South African figures. We have seen, for instance, a basket of 44 very basic foods that low-income households tell us they would like to purchase on a monthly basis should they have enough income, that we have seen that basket increase by 8.2% or 344 rand year on year between April 2021 and April 2022. Uh, That basket now stands at 4,542 rand and 93 cents. And over the last three months, on average, we have seen an increase between 1.5% and 2% on that basket. So that's the magnitude of the inflation as it manifests itself in terms of low-income households in the South African context. The report also indicates that food inflation in South Africa was lower than food inflation rates reported in Zambia, Kenya, Brazil, and the USA. Why do you think this is? We are an agricultural producing country. And of course, from a country level, we are actually food secure. So that should also mean that our prices of locally grown foods and locally produced foods shouldn't increase as much as elsewhere. But we have a different set of circumstances in South Africa, which makes comparison not always that easy. So let's, for instance, if we look at, for instance, Kenya and Zambia, and it might be true that our inflation, as you say, is lower. But in South Africa, because of our historical background and the level of people living in our cities, we do much less food production for household levels here than, say, for instance, in a country like Zambia or Kenya. There, people tend to grow a bit more for their household consumption. Yeah, we are really exposed. We access almost all of our food through the supermarket chain. And that exposes us much, much more to inflation than, say, in other countries. 
And of course, that has to do with historical factors. It's got to do with land distribution. And it has to do with household behavior in these different places. So making that comparison is not always a useful one. And then, of course, in South Africa, because we access to a much larger extent our food through the shopping center, other factors come into play. So, for instance, the amount of income South Africans receive, the household levels of income. There is also, of course, competition within the household budget for that income. So electricity prices, for instance, and we have seen massive electricity price increases over the last couple of years. That means that a lot of household incomes are spent on energy sources, which is also, of course, necessary for food. But it competes in the household budget for how much money there is left over in food. The same applies with transport. So when we see electricity prices increase, when we see transport increase, as we have done over the last year or so, then that leaves less and less money available to households to procure their food through the retail sector. And because we procure most of our, on our retail sector and our household levels of income are so low, we tend to feel the burden of inflation much more here than might be the case elsewhere. The food inflation brief also covers a number of areas unpacking food inflation drivers and expectations. But what should we all be aware of on a household level? I think you've just made reference to that as well. Could you maybe explain or unpack this a little bit further for us? For us, the starting point in terms of affordability. Affordability is, of course, as our listeners are all too aware, is really the relationship between income and prices. I mean, that's what establishes whether things are affordable or not, not just prices in and of itself. So when we look at, for instance, levels of household income, if we look at wages in South Africa, for instance, we know that more than 50% of all workers in South Africa earn at the level or below the national minimum wage, which is roughly something like 3,700 rand per month. That's the reality of social grants too are extremely low. So when we compare that with the basket of food that increases, then we see the difficulty in terms of affordability. So we've seen, for instance, electricity increase by 15% last year. It's likely to increase in municipalities around between 9 and 10% this year, which will make food, of course, more expensive, but also takes more money out of the pockets of households. South Africa is on an increasing interest rate trajectory, which makes debt servicing much more expensive. And we've seen transport increase. So in lower income households, the four biggest expenses are in fact transport, electricity, debt servicing, and food. So all of these are increasing well above CPI. So that means that households really, when they have to make decisions as to how do they spend their budget, they first pay transport, they pay electricity, they have to service debt because they have to take on debt later on in the month when they need it. So whatever is left over, that is what is spent on food. So when these other things increase in cost, the amount of budget left for food decreases. That is really where the nub of the problem is for us in South Africa. So when we look, for instance, at our index with a five liter of cooking oil, it has increased by 42% year on year. 
potatoes by about 10%, chicken portions by 13%, 60 eggs has increased by 12%. We've seen, for instance, the phenomenon where low-income households have moved away from the more expensive kind of meats to cheaper cuts of meat, from perhaps chicken portions to chicken livers, from beef to beef livers. But now we have seen that the cheaper cuts are increasing in terms of percentage much greater than the better cuts, not in terms of rand value, but in percentage value. Fro 10 kgs of frozen chicken has increased by 13%. But when you look at, for instance, chicken livers, it has increased by 20%. A 2 kgs of beef has increased by 13%, but beef livers has also increased by about 21%. So that is why we have an affordability crisis around food and why food inflation is actually meaning that households eat less nutritious food. And of course, that has major implications for our socioeconomic and development trajectory moving forward. You've mentioned a lot of areas and things that we should be taking into account just now. Maybe as we wrap up, what does the future look like? Is it as bleak as expected? And also just keeping in mind everything you've just highlighted. What is your opinion also around some of the solution-driven thinking that we should be focused on throughout the agricultural value chain? So the situation does look bleak if you consider that the geopolitical factors that are leading to increased oil prices, which translates in increased fertilizer prices, that trajectory remains. And so our forecast is, is that we will be in a high inflationary context for at least the next 18 months or so. We cannot see it returning back to normal particularly because farmers are suffering immense cost in terms of fertilizer costs. But of course, debt servicing costs also impact on farmers, and that's also on the increased level. So we're expecting our forecast is that we will remain in inflation context at least the next 18 months. What should we do? And I think that this is really for us where the debate needs to be in South Africa today. The country has to ask itself, and government must take the lead in this, How do we build resilience in the face of global shocks? So now we have just come through COVID, which is a global shock event. We are now into a geopolitical crisis around the Ukraine and Russia impacting the rest of the world. Scientists tell us that climate change are also going to bring a number of shocks. So how do we build resilience and lessen our exposure to these shocks. And a number of areas, it could be done. So number one, we need to lessen our exposure to fuel prices. And one way in which we could do that is to move a lot of our logistics from road to rail, for instance, Um, um, lessening the cost of transporting goods, particularly food-related goods in South Africa. That's one potential area that we should be looking at. The second area we should be looking at is a greater investment into small-scale farmers and a greater focus by government in terms of its funding model and in terms of making resources available to small-scale farmers in and around our cities so that we can begin a greater process of localization of food. Currently, our food is being produced on a big industrial corporate scale. 
fine, scale helps in terms of keeping prices down, but scale also means that there's extra input costs into it. So can we localize our food systems more by bringing in more and more small-scale farmers? So those are potentially areas that we can work on in terms of from an agricultural side. But then in terms of households, we have to look at how do we bridge this massive disparity in terms of household incomes and legitimate, necessary and essential household expenditures. And there we are talking around the historical low wage trajectory in South Africa that we actually have to move beyond because the lower the wages, actually the lower the demand for goods and services in our economy. Uh, And if people get more wages, they can buy more, and that could spurt on greater demand in our local economy. Those would be the two areas we would say that we need greater focus, greater policy, with a view towards creating a better context in the long term. We're not going to solve it within 18 months or even five years. Mervyn, thanks so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. That was, of course, Mervyn Abrams, Program Coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. That brings us to the end of this episode of Farmers Inside Track Weekend. Remember, if you loved this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. From me, Don Numdu, our producer, Megan van der Vent, and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great weekend. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.